Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast uh, wherein myself and a co-host take turns introducing each other to films, and in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So every month on the program, uh, we have a special event that we like to call Tales from the Shelf. Uh, And in joining me for this episode, we have uh, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks again for having me on here, Uh, Trevor. It's always great to be on talking about physical media, my uh, only passion in life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, So... To explain what Brad's getting at here, um, essentially what we do on these uh, Tales from the Shelf episodes is uh, Brad and I both have fairly, uh, mm, quote, fairly substantial uh, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K disc collections of films. Um, So I like to use these monthly episodes as an excuse to kind of explore our respective collections uh, because I feel like the act of collecting involves a lot of, you know, decisive selection. Uh, otherwise, it's just hoarding. <laughs> so usually the the items that you have on your shelf uh, tend to have a little bit of a story behind them, either based around like why you have it, how you got it, things of that nature. Um, so this month, uh, I figured we should explore an aspect of our shelves that uh, has been neglected in previous months. For whatever reason, uh, we have been kind of, yeah, what 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 is it that's been keeping us away from this, Brad? <laughs> I don't know. When you first suggested it, I had to think about it for a second, and I was like, surely we've already done that. And then I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess we haven't, yeah. Yeah, so what, what I'm tiptoeing around here is uh, I'm going to be calling this episode the 4K Fandango. <laughs> um, because for whatever reason, in the many months that Brad and I have been having these discussions, uh, we haven't really talked about any 4K discs in our respective collections. Um, it's a you know it's the newest, most exciting form of physical media going, um, and for some reason we just have no fucking desire at all to talk about it. <laughs> so I I figured we should kind of force ourselves into a corner and actually just you know have at it. Um, so that being said, Brad. Um, being as you're the guest, uh, the perpetual guest on the show, um, I'll I'll pass the ball to you first. Uh, what what uh, what 4K disc would you like to bring to the table? Well, I guess before I, I mention any individual disc, maybe we should just talk about you know just 4K the format in general. Um, maybe not necessarily you know picture quality, which can vary, but I'm talking more. So when, when we suggested this, you suggested this as an idea. I thought about, you know, the name 4K. I got to throw this out there. I'm not a big fan of the name 4K as the name for this uh, generation of physical media. I think 4K, having a number in your uh, name implies that, you know, it implies that there's going to be an update to 8K very soon. And, you know, I've had people come up to me and been like, Oh, do you have this movie? And I'm like, yeah, I own it on 4K. And they're like, what, what's next, 8K? And it's just, you know, it's not, it's not quite of a solid of his name as DVD or Blu-ray. So I don't know. I think uh, it's a bit of a lazy name. I, I love the format. I love collecting them, but uh, I don't know. I've, I got that bug in my brain ever since we started uh, thinking about doing this episode. Yeah, uh, good point. I'm glad you brought it up because it, it is a slightly controversial format. Um, because a lot of people do think in those terms that it's just like a, I don't know, a half, an in-between step between something, between uh, 1080p, like a a Blu-ray disc, and something greater. 
Um, and like you said, the name 4K just it it's using 1080p as a base, so it's a multiplier from that standard. Yeah. Um, and so it it's meaningless out like outside of knowing that that's what's derived from. So I I get where you're com- where you're coming from with that. It's kind of goofy in that way. Um, I, also, it's kind of weird because I don't think that there's an actual um, physical disc medium of 4K. Um, in the case of DVD, a, a DVD is a DVD is a DVD. It's a digital video disc. Um, usually has like X number of gigabytes of storage and whatnot. And then Blu-ray is an actual disc format. You know, again, requires a different laser, has X number of gigabytes of storage. Um, in the case of 4K, I... I could be totally wrong, but I can't think of the actual physical disc name for it. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I'm not too sure in those regards. I mean, when um, the you know the format was first launched, it was always the very wordy. It was like 4K UHD was the what everybody online, all the cool kids called it, and I kind of thought it would get you know the 4K would get dropped, and the general term would be UHD, ultra high definition. Um, but the UHD is kind of what's gotten dropped, and now everyone just refers to it as 4K, which I think, uh, you know, in terms of marketing, I think, feel like for your general audiences, it's just not a very friendly, it's a very kind of cold term. Uh, you know, your average Joe, they might know that 4K means it looks very good, but they might not necessarily know that it means four times the picture quality of Blu-ray. So it's just kind of, it's a little too technical for the average consumer. Um, but, I mean, for me, I, I mean... I don't care. I just I love buying them. That's all I care about. It's like, honey, this Avengers disc is four thousand dollars. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I I think uh, UHD, like ultra high definition, would be kind of a cool title for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that's ever going to come into style. Um, but it does have a nice ring to it. Um, I mean, yeah. was it HD DVD? <laughs> like maybe we could trend backwards towards that. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I always thought it was funny that uh, Blu-ray is, of course, a product of Sony. So um, every every disc produced, you know, they get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, I want to say that's the case with 4K as well. Um, often, oftentimes, 4K discs are packaged with a Blu-ray. But um, yeah, uh, UHD I think would probably be a bit better but maybe there's like an american stigma towards the word ultra or something because i i distinctly remember um when the nintendo 64 was in development um it was originally called the ultra 64 at least uh for western audiences and then they're like fuck that no it's the nintendo 64 (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i think they made the right choice in that regard i have to say (laughs) but um that being said though i yeah i it is a slightly controversial format, but like you, Brad, I do enjoy collecting them, although uh, it has added a new layer um, to to the collecting habit. Uh, I know both you and I make liberal use of Blu-ray.com as a reference to, as to mm-hmm. the standard of, uh, of like picture quality and things like that, uh, because they're very good about detailing all that business um, for every disc that they review. Um, but it wasn't until 4K came around that I really started to care about things like that because yeah. a remarkable number of 4K discs started to come out that uh, are not up to standard. That, uh, you know, the, the transfer isn't what it should be. Um, so it's like a 4K in name only almost. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, just the the nature of the format in and of itself. It's one of those things. If you sit down, you know, just a random person from off the street, there's a very good chance they won't really appreciate or understand what it is they're looking at. It's like, oh, yeah. it's a movie. It's like I've seen this movie before. It's like, but it's so clear. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many pores in Leonardo DiCaprio's face. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you get almost the uh, the opposite end of the spectrum where. Some people might complain about older movies that were shot on film on 4K because you can actually see the film grain. You know, a movie that was shot on film, it's going to have film grain because that's what it was shot on. Um, and with 4K, that might become you know more distinct. And the average person, they don't want that. They just want everything to look absolutely, you know, no grain, clear as possible. And then you get the... Uh, you know, god-awful Terminator 2 transfer where they try and appease the masses and wax out all the the film grain and uh, Schwarzenegger looks like a mannequin. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that was, that's a rant that's been a, it's not your first rodeo. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> I think like, I brought I, it up before. I think yeah, I I'm pretty sure before, Brad's yeah. had that rant before, yeah. not just with me, but with other people. Um, also, yeah. it needs to be said, like, speaking of Terminator, um, I'm curious, like, the first Terminator movie, I, I remember the first time I saw it on Blu-ray, and uh, they redid the sound, and it drove me up the walls. Mm. Uh, like, I I, re-wa- I watched it in, on Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's Terminator, blah, blah. And then, like, as soon as I heard a gunshot in the movie, I was like, whoa, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything else was mostly fine. But, but yeah, that that's, like, one of those changes that's, like, it doesn't need you to monkey with it, man. It's Terminator. Leave it alone. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we should probably get to our, our uh, tales from our shelves, Brad. Um, what, yeah. what do you got for us? Well, let me start off. Uh, I mean, hopefully you'll allow this. I hope this is allowed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention a 4K that is not even opened yet. It is still in the wrapper. Because I just bought it the other day. I literally, this is fresh off the shelf at Best Buy. And, uh, well, let me just throw it out there right now. It is The Deer Hunter, which uh, is uh, distributed by uh, Shout Factory. Now, I will say, I don't own many boutique 4K releases. There aren't a ton in general. Um, So I can only mention a couple that I have. But, uh, you know, this is just the perfect example of me buying a film because I saw it in front of me at a store. Because this film was not on sale at Best Buy. I was in there. What was I in there to get? Oh, they had, The Hunt was on sale. So I bought that on Blu-ray. I wanted It was $9.99, so I bought The Hunt. Um, and I was just walking through the section, and I just saw The Deer Hunter sitting there, $24.99. And if this was sitting on Amazon, $24.99, I wouldn't have purchased it. But when it's right there in front of you, you can... Look at the slipcover. The slipcover looks pristine. And you think, am I ever going to rewatch The Deer Hunter, a three-hour movie? Um, probably not, but uh, you got to pick it up anyway. Um, and I, I do like the film. I ha- I've only seen it the one time. It's a, it's a good film, but obviously not one that's you, that you would rewatch regularly, par- mostly because of the length. Um, and the only reason I still have it in the wrapper is because, uh, you know, you never know. Could could drop in price in the next two weeks. I could go do a price check, but uh, I, the main reason I bought it is because, you know, it's a it was a boutique 4K 
in the wild at a store, and you don't see that too often. So I had to I had to pick it up, had to pop on it. Um, and so yeah, once the two weeks pass, I will take the wrapper off and put it on my shelf, and I uh, can't wait to let it sit there until the next format comes out. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, did you, did you know going in, like, what the disc specs were? Like, had you done your Blu-ray.com, uh, due diligence before you picked it up, or was it just a total blind buy? Well, my, my due diligence was I saw it at the store, and I was like, oh, that's right, that did already come out, and I pulled out my phone, quick Blu-ray.com, quick, uh, check the score on the picture quality, I think it was like 4.5 out of 5 for the 4K, I said, perfect, let's, let's do it. Bingo, bingo, bango, we got it. And I got to get my, uh, I, I have been buying um, a lot because I stopped going into the, well, the physical store was closed. You couldn't go in the physical store. So I, w- I wasn't buying as much from Best Buy and I've got to start really ramping up my purchase if I want to stay an Elite Plus member into 2021. <laughs> so that was kind of what, where I was like, it's not on sale, but I was like, I got to get the, I got to get those points. I got to keep going. So that's kind of what pushed me over the edge. When they rung you up, did they shoot you a look like Brad? <laughs> it's like, it's been a while. <laughs> um, not this time, but I have gone before, and the lady there is like, it's, I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been up to? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, I think this is pre-COVID. I was just like, oh, yeah I, just, yeah, I wanted to say you guys haven't had any good sales lately, but I was just like, oh, I've just been busy, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, they, they have recognized me there before. <laughs> no, you just pull down your mask and say, cheating on you with other video retailers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the great thing with Best Buy, not to get into a Best Buy discussion, but to be fair, uh, The Hunt, it was not a, even on sale at Best Buy. It was on sale at Amazon, but they got that price match, and they price matched it, and it was just, uh, it was just, it was great. I loved it. So, oh, I mean, mom or pop, mom and pop store or otherwise, all the brick and mortar places, they got to stay afloat somehow. So, yeah, that's what they got to do. Then that's what they got to do. But that's cool that you I haven't gone out and bought a physical product that wasn't food in quite a long time. (laughs) So good (laughs) on you for getting out there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've I think I've only seen the deer hunter once as well. It's a Michael Cimino, uh, who at the time was like a darling in Hollywood like people were just like throwing themselves at his feet um I think Heaven's Gate was <laughs> soon to follow after the Deer Hunter I have yeah. not seen that but I desperately want to um, <laughs> I, I have like a, a sick masochistic interest in like consuming those like notorious Hollywood flops like um was it Ishtar I really want to oh, see yeah. Ishtar as well um but yeah he- I think it's Heaven's Gate um, which yeah, is also like so. cult or whatever, <laughs> but um, I want to see that. But um, Deer Hunter is a funny one because I, I barely remember it. Um, but it's at the time it was beloved. Um, now a whole bunch of time has passed, and it seems like audiences are slightly divided on it. Like most people that I talk to, either don't know it or thought it was kind of dull. Um, but my uh, my dad, of all people, uh, as far as I understand, he he kind of liked it. And he was in the Vietnam War, so like for, oh, him, yeah. for him to yeah. say that, it's like, hmm, he must have had something going for it. And actually, one of the things that really he appreciated about it that he always told me was that uh, half of the movie, they aren't even in Vietnam. Like, a yeah. good solid half of the movie, you're just kind of with the characters. And so the slow build, I guess, meant something to him. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, because I, I kind of think of it as it's divided into three sections. There's the before, 
the during Vietnam and the after. So I, I would say, yeah, probably the Vietnam stuff is only like a third of the movie um, from what I remember. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a good film. It's interesting for it being a Vietnam film it came out in 78. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, you know, it seemed like a lot of Vietnam films didn't really start becoming a trend until the 80s. So this one was kind of like, I don't want to say it was the first to come out, but it was definitely a little ahead of the curve, which might have been why it was so beloved and won so many Oscars because, you know, it was a it was a very still a very touchy subject. I mean, even the in the 80s, I'm sure it was, but oh, yeah, no, it was, you know, there there needed to be that downtime where it's like we're not quite ready to talk about that because, you know, people are still kind of fresh from getting home from that and mm-hmm. it's it's just not something we have enough data to properly represent like i've i've always thrown it out there that um i think the only movie about the vietnam war that came out when it was actually happening was the was a john wayne movie yeah. <laughs> um, called the green berets so it's like it's <laughs> probably not a very accurate representation of how it was but you know yeah somebody yeah. felt that we need we need this kind of movie right now it's like eh, i don't know that we do <laughs> but, <laughs> but okay <laughs> yeah yeah but no that's a that's a good pickup like uh as far as i can tell like everything about the disc specs are solid it's a shout factory so you know it's gonna have lots of extras and stuff and i guarantee you there's a lot there's a lot to talk about about the movie so oh yeah whenever you do crack that one open i bet you'll have a lot of fun with it yeah, yeah. I'll probably check out the special features before I watch the actual movie. I mean, I probably only would sit down and watch the entire movie start to finish if, like, Christopher Walken, De Niro, and Meryl Streep all tragically died in a trampoline accident or something. Maybe then I would <laughs> pull it out. I would say, now, well, now's the time. Now's the time to watch The Deer Hunter, but, yeah. No, the correct move is to go on eBay. <laughs> 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 that's true. Maybe I'll leave it in the wrapper even after the two weeks. Maybe that's uh, what I should do. Exactly. Yeah. You got you to <laughs> think ahead, man. <laughs> yep, yep. Get a spare. And it's like that. That's how you know you have a collecting problem when you start when you start buying your Boba Fett action figures and there's one that's still in the package. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I've got that with a few Blu-rays. I got. I've got some. Yeah. You never know when you might need to flip it. You got some money discs. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rainy day discs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, they're going to be shutting off the power. <laughs> it's like, I, I like that. sell Rainy some Blu-rays. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, man, uh, what do you got? Well, uh, as tends to be the case, uh, I follow your lead, Brad. So I'm going to go with a couple of discs that uh, I haven't watched yet, um, one of which I, I have undone the shrink wrap. However, I have yet to pop it into my player. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very, very recent acquisition. Uh, so that would be uh, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. Ah, yes. Yeah, very um, recent. Yeah. Very recent. Within, like, I think the past week week or two weeks, maybe. Um, and then I have one that's been uh, occupying shelf on my space that's been in my backlog, which uh, previous episode, the backlog boogie. Um, I did not go over, go over it on that episode, but um, Blue, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, oh, which Kyle yeah. Is yeah. Probably Kyle is digitally punching me through my phone as I hold <laughs> this up to you because Kyle adores this film and just Blade Runner in general. But um, I have seen both of these movies, um, just not the 4K disc version of them. So Blade Runner 2049, I, I picked up, I think, a uh, long time ago. It's just been sitting there collecting dust. Uh, it's it's one of those moody kind of movies that I think you have to be in the right headspace to really, really enjoy. 
Um, but I did uh, rent it from like a Redbox, um, like when it first debuted, like on a disc format. I think it was just a straight Blu-ray though. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. In fact, there are certain aspects of it that I think I enjoyed more than the original Blade Runner. Oh yeah, um, because that's Because for me personally, um, Blade Runner, and, and again, this is going to give me all sorts of digital welts from the digital punches from Kyle through <laughs> his phone, through my phone, but um, Blade Runner is one of those cases where it's it's a movie that I I want so badly to to love. I just don't. Um, there's so many things about it that should be right up my alley. The the tone, the setting, the the holy shit, the production design. Um, it's so gorgeous to look at, and yet I feel virtually nothing when I watch it most of the times. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of sleepwalk my way through it, and I've watched it so many times, and I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, you know, I, I just don't think it's meant to be. It's it's like that girlfriend or whatever. It's just like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you're so hot. <laughs> but, but it's just, you are so hot, and you rain constantly, <laughs> but, but you, just, you just don't do it for me. <laughs> Um, no, but don't give up. You, you don't give up on the relationship, Trevor. There's so many different cuts of the film. There's one that's out there for you. You can make it work. Come on. <laughs> so this is motivational speaker, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a collector support group right now. <laughs> but um, thanks for that. But uh, yeah, Blade Runner 2049. I think I just the emotional aspects of it resonated with me more i got more out of it um it i think it's equally gorgeous um it also employs all number of technical wizardry tricks uh, um to the point that it's like i i think it's an equal to the original um Mm -hmm. and for me just in terms of my personal enjoyment just watching it as a movie not like thinking about legacy and whatnot i think i enjoyed it more than i've ever enjoyed the first one um and i'm actually very excited to check it out in 4k because it it is a straight up gorgeous movie and a lot of the 4k discs i have are based on the visual aesthetics of the film like in my mind that's why you buy a higher quality like image fidelity disc is to take advantage of that um but beetlejuice i think this was rated like a five star on blu-ray.com in terms of uh uh, image quality um so i'm really excited to check that out especially since uh we're right in the middle of our Batman masterclass and we, we just got done with the, the Tim Burton Batman uh, cycle. Um, and of course, Beetlejuice came right before all that. And I, more and more I'm starting to realize, holy shit, like Tim Burton kind of like shaped my childhood (laughs) as he did many, many other people of a certain age. Um, so this one, uh, I'm actually really excited to check out, um, with my girlfriend because she has not seen this uh, and well, if she has, she doesn't remember it. Um, but yeah, Beetlejuice is fantastic. I I find oh, yeah. it to be absolutely hilarious, and it's just a, a joy to to watch all the wonderful Tim Burtonisms in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely a defining movie of my childhood as well. I probably watched the VHS. I would say seventeen times as a kid. I mean, yeah, it was. I, I watched that movie a lot. It was. It, it's kind of. It's it's weird because it's a movie like. I don't know. I kind of forgot how much I watched it. It's almost like I watched it so much I had to block it out of my memory a little bit so I didn't get uh, overwhelmed with so many viewings. But looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that that Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, like, you know, those were all up there with just the constant rewatches as a kid. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I got to it until I was slightly older, so it wasn't like a, a childhood movie for me, but when I got to it, I fucking loved it. But yeah. Actually, um, really strange, but uh, the Beetlejuice cartoon, um, I watched the hell out of that <laughs> when I was a really little kid, um, so I feel like I've, I've come to like certain films in a roundabout fashion in that way. Like, mm-hmm. like I started with like the spinoff and then worked my way back to the original. Like, I mean the the real Ghostbusters cartoon. I I watched the hell out of that cartoon. My brother, <laughs> my brother adored that show. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see the Ghostbusters movie until I was probably like nine or ten. Mm-hmm. But when I was a really little kid, I was getting freaked out every every Saturday morning or whatever by that cartoon. <laughs> and and Beetlejuice was was great. Like it's. It's actually a fairly solid cartoon, if I'm remembering right. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember of the cartoon. I can't remember. I'm sure I watched it at least some, but yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't have any distinct memories of watching the cartoon. Mm. Well, I'm very excited to check out both of these discs. Um, Beetlejuice is like, you know, I just, I'm either going to watch it with the girlfriend or I need to get confirmation from her that she doesn't want to watch it because as soon as I get the okay, it's like, well, I, I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I can't see it tonight because uh, click. It's just, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like can't even be bothered to finish that thought. Yeah, no, you're making me want to watch it now. I don't have it on 4K yet, though. I might have to I might have to either, either watch it on Blu-ray and suffer the consequences for not buying it soon enough or... or uh, do a fast track, maybe Amazon Prime it to my house. Maybe I can get it here this weekend. Oh well, yeah, you yeah. can you can burn some of those money discs and, <laughs> and <laughs> trade it in for Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe uh, I need. I definitely need to upgrade uh, my Beetlejuice because uh, I think my Blu-ray was a gift to me for my ex-girlfriend. So I think I definitely got to get that one out of there. Oh man, more uh, more collectors uh, support group business, man. Brad, yeah, yeah, you got you got to purge. You got to you got you got to get rid of those totems, those emotional anchors. Uh no, she bought me some Criterions though that I got to say those were those were pretty magical gifts. I I I really thank her for buying me those uh Criterions, but um yeah, that Beetlejuice, she really she really dropped the ball on that one. She, it was even a used disc. Like she really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw that and I was like, "This is this isn't going anywhere." Um, You're like, I'm just picturing you holding the disc and like seeing the uh, adhesive glue and be like, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> Where a price sticker used to be. Did I'm you just like did you incessantly watch this picking it's at open. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this doesn't smell right. <laughs> this smells like someone else's home. It doesn't smell like fresh plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. That being said, Brad, uh, balls to you. What do you what do you got? Um, all right, let's go with this one. Um, this one, uh, it's not the most visually stimulating film. Not quite like a Blade Runner twenty forty nine type, but it is a good looking film, and it's one of my uh, favorite horror films of the last however many years. It is Hereditary, which uh, I think is worth noting because it is from A twenty four. And, you know, everybody talks about A24. We love A24. A24 is the best. They put out the best movies. And, yeah, they do. I agree. But I got to say, where they are lacking, and, you know, to be fair, it's probably because they are a small studio. But where they are lacking is they have very few of their films on 4K, you know, for these usually very good-looking films. And, you know, you want to watch them in the best quality possible. 
usually you don't get that option. Um, but with Hereditary, I, I guess it was just such a buzzworthy film that they did put it out on 4K. So I'm glad to have it in my collection. Um, I have I have watched the 4K, um, and I've seen it in theaters, so I've seen it twice now. And uh, I, I just love the film. It's uh, it, Maybe it wasn't quite as good on a rewatch, but that first viewing in the theater was just... Oh, I I can't can't remember the last time a horror movie affected me that much. I really enjoy Hereditary. Um, very well made, and um, I wish uh, the director Ari Aster. I wish his second film, Midsummer, got a 4K release, but unfortunately, it did not get a physical 4K. I believe it it is available digitally on 4K, and uh, you know, in those instances, that might be one of my few times where I would actually I haven't done it, but maybe actually consider buying something digitally versus uh, a physical copy um i think a few a couple other a24 films did the same thing like i think i want to say the lighthouse was available digitally in 4k and it never got a 4k physically but um thankfully i don't have that problem with hereditary it's available on 4k love the film and uh yeah it's 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 great yeah um like, like I'm going to get beat up over Blade Runner from Kyle. Uh, he's going to be giving you a round of applause uh, for Hereditary because he absolutely adores that movie. Um, he yeah. was the reason I watched that movie. And yeah, it's it's quite good. Uh, it's very good. Uh, it was a directorial debut, was it not? I believe it was, yeah. yeah. Very Jesus. strong debut. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and Midsommar is not exactly bad either so um good things in ari aster's future but yeah i did not know that uh hereditary was on 4k so that's awesome yeah 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 is it, I, I don't even know is it still available or like can you buy it uh yeah oh. looks like it. i see it on amazon here yeah oh, okay um so yeah I, if uh i don't think kyle has 4k capability but it's like one of those things i've i've considered like getting him like gifting him a couple of 4k discs like this one oh, yeah. and, uh, uh 2001 a space odyssey would be probably the number one though because he he fucking loves that movie <laughs> but yeah, um yeah. hereditary though there was like when when he first saw that like he kept telling me like you need to see this before someone fucking ruins it for you and yeah yeah, yeah he was he was right that kind um, of movie yeah, yeah it is that kind of movie and and those don't come along all the time and i can't imagine how much fun that would have been in the theater um especially if you went in mostly blind which I can't, like, if you saw it relatively early when it came out, there's no way you could have known what it was really about. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say I had a, an awesome theatrical experience with the movie, but uh, I have heard that a, a lot of people, I, I've heard some bad experiences with the film as well. Um, you know, just, you know, crowds kind of ruining the, you know, laughing at certain things. and But, uh, yeah, my crowd seemed to be, e- either they were very into it and respecting the film or they fell asleep but either way they they shut up for the entire screening so it was it was the perfect viewing of hereditary yeah do you know if the disc has any like making of features or anything like that um let me see here there's a a featurette called the true cursed the true nature of hereditary um i haven't checked that out i'm assuming it's just like a probably 15 20 minute just you know garbage promo thing Splicing some interviews together, kind of something thing, you yeah. play for producers for potential yeah. buy people that will buy into the production, yep. uh, distributors yeah, distributors and whatnot. Uh, I'd just be curious, just because, like, if there's a commentary on that movie, that would probably be amazing, uh, especially since a you know, first time director. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see. It doesn't look like any commentary track on here, unfortunately. It's funny. I'm seeing a listing uh, on Blu-ray.com for a Midsommar on 4K, um, but I think it's like you have to buy it directly through the A24 website. Um, oh yeah, it, that's right. Yeah, and it's a it's apparently a director's cut, which I've I've heard is um, slightly longer. I I haven't heard either way if it's better or not. Um, how about you? Have you heard anything about that? I I haven't heard uh, if it's better or worse than the original. All I know is I remember, I do remember hearing about this coming out on 4K. It came out uh, after the original release, and by the time I'd heard about it, it was uh, already sold out. Like it was just like, boom, it was gone. So, fortunately, uh, I did not get it. I wonder what it's going for on eBay. Probably, it's probably Oof. pretty pricey. Probably pretty um, pricey, especially now that we have, you know, big disc distributors like Disney saying they're getting out of the game altogether. Um, yeah. So I want to say that discs are probably poised to start becoming more pricey <laughs> in the immediate future. Yeah, looking like uh, I see a listing here. It's going for 89 right now. Um, that's with six bids, so it might might even still go up. But... um. I do really want to check out the director's cut because uh, I liked Midsommar, but uh, not quite as much as Hereditary, and I wonder if the director's cut would maybe bring my star rating up. Maybe I'd, you know, some of my issues might be a little more uh, smoothed out, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, I don't know what it says about me, but I am a total sucker. Like I can straight up admit, I am a sucker for extended slash director's cuts. Um, mm-hmm. Like if if you. If you provide more than one cut of a movie, I'm I'm very prone to watching movies more than once anyway. So if you give me that option, like I I kind of go for it. <laughs> like even with bad movies, maybe even especially with bad movies, because there's there's always that part of me, like my analytical part of my brain, that's always running when I'm watching a movie, where I'm kind of like disassembling it in my head as I'm watching it, and like think. Mm-hmm. I'm very so I'm like very seldom upset by bad movies I'm more just kind of I treat them as projects where it's like how how could they have made that not suck (laughs) um so if you give me like more than one cut to work with that's just more material for me to play with um I mean fuck I have a Scott Adkins movie called abduction where he wakes up in a fountain in Vietnam and has to uh round kick aliens to save the world (laughs) um and he starts out the movie with amnesia but it it's a roger corman uh production by the way (laughs) scott adkins has worked with roger corman which i think is kind of awesome but it has two cuts for whatever fucking reason there's a producer and a director's cut so um i've only watched the one cut so far and I went with the producer's cut because I was like, well, Roger Corman knows how to make a shitty movie. <laughs> like, I'm going to go with him. I don't care what the director has to say. Yeah, you probably made the right choice there, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to confirm. But um, Midsommar is one that, yeah, I like the movie enough that I would totally check out the director's cut. And uh, even uh, Dr. Sleep, like I didn't even particularly like that movie that much. But I would, I would watch that even fucking longer version just because it exists. <laughs> And I've actually heard it slightly better. I was like this close at Best Buy to picking it up. It was there, and I said, I do want to see that director's cut. Uh, but I was like, I'm already paying full price for the Deer Hunter. I'm going to pass. We'll, we'll get it next time. Um, I guess I, I, I haven't, maybe I've mentioned this to you in passing. Maybe I've mentioned it on the show. But 
I've got a thing with my 4Ks where I don't know why, but I've got an obsessive compulsive disorder where I have to make sure they all have slip covers. I started doing that where, you know, with my Blu-rays, by the time I started really collecting, it was too far in with Blu-rays with no slip covers that there was no chance that I could come back for from it. But uh, I've been pretty good with slip covers on my 4Ks. So like I was at best when I was at Best Buy, I saw a Doctor Sleep still had the slip cover. It was full price, and I was like, should I get it so I can guarantee I got the slip cover, or should I wait? Maybe it'll go on sale. Um, so yeah, I've I've spent more on 4Ks simply to make sure I can have the slip cover. Um, but uh, yeah, I've only got a few in my collection that I do not have the slip cover for, and they are definitely blemishes. Um, I might have to do some eBay slipcover buying at some point to smooth things out. <laughs> it's a second kid syndrome where it's like, you'll be better than he was. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get it right this time. <laughs> exactly. Well, Clean start. That's the thing, like, it, imagine if like, you know, I don't want to imagine anything like this, but let's just say like this whole place flooded or, or, or there is a fire. Let's just say flooded. Like, fire is a little too, I don't want to, you know, jinx anything, but it's a little too destructive. We'll just say flood. And my entire Blu-ray collection was just ruined. It would be awful. But at the same time, getting to start over from scratch and just kind of do things the right way would be kind of nice in, in a way. You know, it'd be awful. I don't want it to happen. But, you know, it's, it'd almost be like just getting reincarnated and realizing it. You know, you're, you've reincarnated into building a new collection. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen, though. Yeah, no, I actually did when i like assembled my master list of movies like my my google spreadsheet i actually did like make a separate category for pur- purgeable discs like mm. things that things that i don't particularly care for things that if i if i really was asked to get rid of some stuff it's like yeah i could be i could be fine with dumping this because i mean you know it's it's a collection it's a it's a organism unto itself um every once in a while there's certain extraneous elements that pop up here and there where it's like it's actually kind of fun to retrace the steps of your acquisitions and be like why the fuck do i have that (laughs) it's like it's not until you actually take a second look at that you realize like huh i'm not the same person i was when i wanted that (laughs) yeah unfortunately i i do have that uh in a few cases even in my 4k collection the Fifth Element 4K. Why did I buy it on Steelbook? Why? I it, the cover is gross. I still hadn't given up my Steelbook thing at that point. It, yeah, uh, I don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is disgusting. <laughs> I I think the reason I bought it is because I think the slipcover was already out of there when I or maybe was it even on a, a vi- what, did it come originally on Steelbook? I can't remember. Maybe that was the only option at the time. I don't know. I've never actually seen it out in the wild. Yeah, I did buy this in the Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I'm just looking <laughs> at the cover now. Ugh, it's gross. So, um, Brad, now, now you're giving me an idea for a future episode. Now we gotta we got to explore the world of steelbooks, though. <laughs> just because it seems to be such a trigger point for you. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be that's going to be rough. I might. Uh, yeah, <laughs> might be a short one. <laughs> it might be just a dead short air one or on a long end. one. It could go long. I might I might have a lot to say. 
Well, it'll be me trying to carry the conversation while you just hear the sound of a fire axe like slamming yeah. on steel books in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Brad purging all of his demons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's some steel books I like. I, I, I'm much more ha- like okay with having them in my Blu-ray collection versus my 4K. But um, yeah, some of them like the, the, those ones, those Best Buy exclusive, the the pop art ones. Those are just there's no excuse for those. Those are horrendous uh, the, they look awful mm. yeah <laughs> about to vom up my dinner here <laughs> okay well um i suppose what balls to me then okay yeah we're, we're spending a lot of time we're only two movies in or something. okay well let's let's keep things rolling here so i'm um, being as uh brad's so fired up about uh about his uh, steelbook thing, I I do not have any steelbook uh, 4K discs. So good, I, good. I, yeah, I, <laughs> we'll we'll put that fire out right this moment. Um, but while we're on the topic of you know frustrating elements of our collection, I suppose I'll you know trot out some of those regrettable purchases. Um, I'll just say straight up, um, none of these are movies that I'm like ashamed to own or anything. Um, well, maybe a little bit, but, <laughs> but it's like it's more just a case where it's like it, I didn't really need it on 4K, um, and in some cases it was just because of uh, a I just got a 4K player and I just was looking for content, and uh, b it was the right price. <laughs> so uh, I have oh, yeah. four discs here that I you know have some misgivings about, so I'll just uh, rattle them off real quick. So I have the accountant. Starring <laughs> Ben Affleck, directed by Gavin O'Connor of all people. That is that was shocking to me to learn that yeah. Gavin O'Connor directed this, yep, um, yep. because he has made some very good movies. Um, He's and the in Warrior fact, guy, right? Yeah, Warrior yeah. and Miracle. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and apparently right, yeah. the Road Back or whatever. Also, oh uh, yeah, the ben Way Affleck. Back, the Way Back, yeah. the Way Back. Um, yeah. As far as I understand, he's a very well-respected director, um, and he made this, <laughs> The Accountant, um, which is not all that good of a movie. Um, it's it's very, aside from the character supposed to be being like high-functioning autistic, aside from that gimmick, it really is just like standard like boilerplate spy movie. Um, yeah. Even to the extent where they they pack it to the gills with a you know a cast of notable faces. I don't know what it is about some of those like mid-tier spy movies, but um, what was it? The Gina Carano movie, the Steven Soderbergh uh, Haywire. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, that the cast in that movie is is like an Ocean's Eleven movie of notable actors, but it's just a really basic spy movie. It, it's not mm-hmm. bad, but it's there's not a whole lot special about it. And Soderbergh. Than, everybody wants to work with Soderbergh. They don't even they don't care what it is. They just want to work with them. Yeah, but there's a lot of spy movies that fit that that category though where it's just it's yeah. packed it, like even uh was it that uh sean penn movie the gunman uh it yeah. it's it's not very good at all it's <laughs> it's like a low budget spy movie but there's all these faces in there that's like why the fuck are you here <laughs> it's like like even like mark mark rylance shows up in there it's like you're you're like five minutes away from an oscar what are you doing in the, <laughs> the gunman <laughs> um Moving on, I also have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm. Um, I'll just uh, confess right up front. Uh, I have many superhero movies on 4K, mostly because they're readily available on 4K. Um, not, 
actually, actually, there's certain movies, like, depending on the quality, I'll just buy the Blu-ray instead, even though the 4K is readily available, just because the movie's not so hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, and this actually would have been one of those, because this movie's trash. <laughs> it's so forgettable and just fluffy. Um, yeah. But I, um, I don't mean to trigger you, Brad, but this was a second-hand purchase. <laughs> you know it, it's it's all right I, I i don't have any judgment on when other people do it it's just for me it's i don't even care that when i do it it's just i can tell you pretty much everything in my collection that was bought used it's just like it's it just stands out to me it's tainted <laughs> yeah i guess it, it is in a way yeah i don't want your disc herpes in my player <laughs> i can tell you everything in my collection that was used or came from my ex-girlfriend i gotta get those out of here <laughs> Well, I have another used disc. Um, it shows you how much I have to say about Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> throw that shit away. Um, I have Alien Covenant, directed ah. by Ridley Scott. Um, this, I also acquired secondhand. It has the uh, adhesive stains from the <laughs> price sticker that was peeled off before I got my hands on it. Um, this was an interesting purchase because uh, Kyle and I decided to do the Alien Masterclass last year. Um, which included Alien Covenant, um, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a way of readily getting the movie. So I was like, hmm, it's been out long enough that I can't rent it. Um, I have all the other Alien movies, so I was like, oh well. Even though I had you know mixed feelings about the movie, I still do. I figured you know if I'm gonna rewatch it, I may as well buy it. Uh, so I found a 4K disc at a secondhand store uh, near the university out here in Seattle. And, uh, yeah, I, I've watched this movie that I I still don't know if I hate it or if I just kind of am ambivalent towards it. I've watched it four fucking times. Wow. Um, with the director's commentary, um, at least two of those times. So I know this movie frontwards and backwards regardless of how I feel about it. So, um it's a curious case of a movie where I probably wouldn't give it a stellar star rating, but I, I don't hate it because I know mm-hmm. it too well. Um, and Ridley Scott is a very good commentator. I'll give him that much. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he has a lot fun. of loaded uh, Blu-rays and a lot of loaded physical media, you know, uh, releases, making of documentaries. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's I mean, he must have some hand in it. But, yeah, his stuff usually, you know, multiple cuts uh you know commentaries like his stuff is usually pretty loaded yeah he's you may as well call him like the godfather of the special edition or the director's cut um, yeah because it, in my mind he is that guy where almost every product he makes has a secondary addition to it and I, th- I think a lot of that legacy comes from blade runner where that is a movie that was saved by its director's cut um and you know in most cases director's cut is just a marketing ploy um, in his case, most of the time, as far as I know, he actually does go back. He actually does rejigger things a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard nothing but good things about uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Um, yeah, I got I got to check that one out. I've never seen either version. Yeah, I only saw the the theatrical version um, around the time it came out, and it did nothing for me. Um, thematically, it feels like something that should be good, though, because it, so much of the themes, like about the Crusades and theology, all that business, like you know, he likes those subjects. Um, yeah. There's a reason this is the guy that did Exodus at one point. Um, 
I gotta but, revisit that. <laughs> I saw that in the theater with my ex-girlfriend, and uh, oh yeah, I'll never forget uh, Joel Edgerton pounding his chest and saying, "I am the God." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's that kind of movie, huh?" <laughs> where where Aussies are playing Egyptians and they're pounding their chests like fucking frat bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They honestly, I mean, um, not that this is a good thing, but they really got that movie in like right under the, you know. Six months later in that movie, I mean, even at the time, it was kind of like people were like, I don't know about this, you know, these guys playing Egyptians, but I feel like, like, you know, just like, you know, a few months later, it was like, yeah, you would never be able to do that. So they they just got that in. Yeah, the the political climate right now, mm -mm. you you would not be able to get that cast in that movie today. Um, Mm Yeah. It wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's it's an okay movie, regardless of who's in it. Um, like with all really Scott movies, though, even Alien Covenant, it's gorgeous to look at. Um, but yeah, Kingdom of Heaven, I really do want to check out the director's cut because it's often pointed to as an example of like one of the best director's cuts, like mo- like most improved. It's like that kid at school. <laughs> it's like he's not all that great, but but he really improved. He really came yeah. out of his shell that year. <laughs> yeah. Um so I have one more slightly regrettable purchase. Um again, I don't exactly hate this, nor do I hate the fact that I have it on blue on a uh, 4K, but I probably should have just stuck with the Blu-ray. Um this would be Resident Evil Vendetta. Oh, okay. All right. This is the third uh CGI animated resident evil film um it is ludicrous (laughs) it is absolutely bonkers um it is extraordinarily japanese as well um mostly in that it is ludicrous Um, and some of the some of the way the characters are handled it's like well that just doesn't work at all but okay um it's uh it's an interesting movie in that uh it's terrible um, mm-hmm. they try to keep it within the canon of the franchise and in doing so they kind of like just shoot themselves in both foot in both feet um, the animation is not all that good by by most standards but there's something about Japanese animation that's always compelling to me um, that maybe isn't compelling to most people but I, I like that they like to explore the stuff that we don't um, you know like western animation like all the all the big animation houses like your DreamWorks and your Pixar's and I don't remember the people who did Rio. It's like Blue something or other. Oh, Blue Sky or something. I think so. Or, yeah, Blue yeah. Sky. Um, you know, they, they all those character Great models. Name. Yeah, Blue Blue Sky animation <laughs> is like, oh, wow, that's descriptive. <laughs> but all all those animation houses, you know, their characters have like a bounciness, they have like a roundness, like they, you know, they have certain curves and certain color palettes, and it's all family entertainment and stuff. Whereas a lot of like the Japanese and just foreign animation that I like, um, oftentimes like leans more towards animating mundane things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really fascinated by that. Like y- using incredible technology to render really normal, like really normal, boring things, like like realistic things. Like I I know Kyle would probably disagree with me, but photorealism in computer animation is something I am very fascinated by. Um, and this movie is not photorealistic by any means, but they're very bold in the sense that they try to have like a very exactly choreographed like motion capture, performance capture animation in it. So they have like full-on action scenes with 
human actors doing like the key like kind of acting out the keyframes of the animation and stuff um and it's meant to mimic the look of like a traditional hollywood action movie but in cgi so it's like why didn't you just make a live action movie <laughs> it's like wouldn't that have been easier it's like well yeah but it wouldn't have been as fun to to us and no one else <laughs> being as the animation quality isn't even that good mm-hmm. um but yeah the the resident evil game canon has thoroughly gone off the rails years ago and yeah it's only just now kind of starting to write itself um this movie's trash for the most part <laughs> um but again i got it like around the time I got the accountant disc where it's just like, you know, I just got a 4K player. I, I would like to have some discs to look at in 4K. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided to pony up the extra cash to get the 4K instead of the Blu-ray, which um, actually one of the bigger regrets about getting the 4K has to do with the size of the case. It's like a couple millimeters wider than a standard Blu-ray case. So it's like, really? What? Okay. It's like a three disc set and I don't really know uh... why. Okay. Yeah, it's three discs, and I don't really know why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never looked at that bonus disc, yeah. uh, nor do I need to, especially since it's, it was probably packed with content about like an upcoming game, which I've probably oh, yeah. beaten five times over by now. <laughs> so it's totally irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Remember when like you'd get a DVD? I, I don't think this ever happened with Blu-rays, but you'd buy a movie, and it would come with like a video game demo disc in it. Like, do you remember, I, like, yeah, those were the days, man. Yeah, you used to be able to get a pizza and get, like, a Tony Hawk demo yeah. disc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or there was Burger King. They had their uh, King games. You remember yeah. those? Sneaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course I remember that. Oh, man. They need to bring that back because I would be all, I would eat so much Burger King to just get those achievements on those <laughs> games. Oh, I'd be there every day. No, I mean, those Achievement Hunter people, like, they know who they are. Um, those kinds of games are, like, what they live for. It's like, oh, yeah. man, you mean I, I can platinum this game by, like, just turning it on? <laughs> it's like, Burger <laughs> <laughs> like, King yeah. sales are through the roof. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> it's like, because of gamers. Durr. Genius. Genius. Yeah. What Do they have a Mountain Dew burger yet? Uh, Mountain Dew burger? I don't think so. Is that supposed to be a thing? I mean... It should be, <laughs> or like a surge burger or something. Yeah, yeah. It did just remind me though. There's an ice cream shop near me that this month they have uh, their special ice cream is Mountain Dew flavored. I gotta remember to get there and try that because I love Mountain Dew. So <laughs> <laughs> gotta try the Mountain Dew ice cream. Yeah, you let me know how that goes. I'd be curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe it'll do well and they'll make a code red flavor because that's the oh. one that everybody really likes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Brad, yeah. uh, what what's your next uh, 4K disc? Oh, let's see. Let's let's jump around a little bit. Let's talk about this one. Um, this is one I have not watched the 4K. Haven't even spot checked it or anything. I bought this because I was going to watch it um, like in uh, time for a new uh, entry in the franchise. But uh, I ended up not watching it in terms of uh, watching it for the new franchise entry. So then I just never rewatched it. But it's a film from my childhood, and it's one that uh, I'm not quite as proud of um, as when compared to, like, Beetlejuice or something. It is Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, which um, I don't think I watched it as much as Beetlejuice. But I would say I probably watched this 
at least 11 times as a kid. Um, I mean, it was, and I think even then I kind of knew it's not good, but I don't know. There was just something it was, it really was, it was the Jurassic Park thing. You know, I, we, I was under the Jurassic Park spell and me and my cousins, I don't, I don't ever really remember us watching Jurassic Park together, but we watched Godzilla together. So many, I would go over to their place and we'd, you know, play Goldeneye and watch Godzilla. Like that was just like every weekend type thing. And, uh, Anaconda. We also watched Anaconda a ton, which, um, I, I prefer Anaconda over Godzilla to be honest, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's not a great film. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Um, so I am quite curious to, uh, revisit it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. And, uh, you know, this is even me just not even having any sort of like reverence for, you know, the original Godzilla, which I know if people that hold that franchise in high regard, this movie just shits on all that. I mean, even just w- with disregarding that, it's not a very good movie. Um, but you know, Roland Emmerich taking his, uh, his pot shots at, uh, um, Ebert and uh, Siskel and Ebert, you know, you gotta, you gotta love it for that, right? <laughs> yeah, Mayor Mayor Ebert. I like the gag where he has like his uh, Reese's pieces or whatever, and he's <laughs> like, "Don't do that! Like, don't touch my candy." <laughs> Fat guy humor. <laughs> yeah, it was the '90s yeah. that was allowed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fat yeah. guy fall I down mean, humor was all we had. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is like you look at that. Like that's almost like. Um, you know, playing off a of Newman in Jurassic Park. I mean, this this movie is so just. It's, it's hollow. It's almost it's insane how much it just is just a a rip off of Jurassic Park. Um, but I mean, it got me to watch as a kid, so I guess it worked. Yeah, uh, Brad. So many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle and I covered uh, Godzilla '98 and uh, Godzilla '2014, but at the time, the only two American Godzilla movies. Um, we we mm. talked. I talked for three hours. Kyle mostly just listened um, <laughs> because I am a Godzilla otaku, like fanatic. Yeah. Uh, I have been in love with that franchise my entire life um, since before I could speak. Um, I know it frontwards and backwards. And yeah, I, I could easily talk for hours and hours and hours about, about that movie. Um, I've said it multiple times on the show that uh, I distinctly recall my mother on my birthday apologizing to me after we walked out of the theater um having that was my part of my birthday gift was to go see ouch. godzilla 98 in the theater ouch at the time i had uh, prevented myself from seeing what godzilla looked like because the marketing campaign for that movie was amazingly aggressive like batman level aggressive mm-hmm. uh, they were advertising the shit out of it and uh one thing they never showed you in any of the marketing materials was his fucking face and there's a good reason for that because patrick uh was it patrick to top nicholas Totopoulos or patrick Totopoulos? top Totopoulos, someone or other the creature designer uh, he's worked oh, on okay. many 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 movies he's he's who matthew broderick is named after in the movie um Phenomenal artist, very good production designer, but that fucking face, um, <laughs> that that flat-headed marine iguana face, just mm-hmm. mm, mm. <laughs> there's a reason why the like the true blood like true blue Godzilla fans refer to that Godzilla as Gino, uh, Godzilla in name only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a very good relationship with that movie. I've softened quite a bit in recent years because I I just don't 
I don't look at it as a Godzilla movie. Um, and when when Kyle and I covered it again for the show, it, I I softened quite a bit. Like I I had a lot more positives to say about, it. and I think a lot of it. And Kyle agrees with you actually. I think he likes it quite a bit. Um, one thing that like both he and I can admit wholeheartedly is the the build, like the early stages of that movie, much like Independence Day, it's phenomenal. Before yeah. the monster shows up, it's it's great. Like you yeah, get oh, really yeah. swept up in it. There's a lot of good suspense. There's a lot of really great buildup. Um, but as soon as that big motherfucker shows his face, the whole movie comes crashing down. <laughs> <laughs> but up until then, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, also, oh, go ahead. Also, uh, just a uh, great, great soundtrack. I, you know, I forgot all about the soundtrack. You David got the Wallflowers. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> Foo Fighters. You got some Rage Against the Machine. I mean, you know, just tapping into all the, all the big bands of that era. You know, this uh, this movie was just. This this movie's just a pure commodity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it was a huge product of like the marketing yeah. machine and whatnot. It didn't ma- it didn't matter if it was good. Um, you it you know if you build it, they will come. Uh, and was it Puff Daddy had the big song on the soundtrack with the, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Cashmere was sampled, and I think that was when he was still Puff Daddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, David Arnold, I think, did the score for it. Um, who has since gone on to do some of the best James Bond soundtracks. Um, and yeah, I even had problems with that where it's like, it's not that cool. Like the soundtrack's yeah. like trying really hard to be like, yeah, this monster's so spectacular. You should be in awe of it. It's like, oh, it's just a big lizard. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, one thing you got to kind of respect about it though, is uh, the cast. Like I, I, I dig the cast and how, um, you know, unblockbustery they are. Like Matthew Broderick as a hero in a movie. Like I know he's playing a scientist, but you know it's it's an interesting choice. And you've got um the what's his name from The Simpsons, uh, Hank Azaria in there. Um, you got Jean Jean Reno uh, or however you say his name, who is great. Um, yeah, I, I I like the cast. I think it's uh you know it's an interesting it's an interesting choice. It's offbeat. I mean, Roland Emmerich is that kind of director. Uh, he's an interesting fella unto himself. His filmography, you know, most people think of him as just like the disaster movie guy. But, you know, this is also the guy that did the Stonewall Riots movie like mm-hmm. um, in recent years. So he's got stuff to say outside of blowing shit up. He just doesn't get many opportunities to say it. But um, actually what I think of when I think of that cast is like, hmm, we got to pay for the CGI somehow. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> it's like, why don't we cast a couple of people from the Simpsons and, yeah. and uh, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> but Jean Reno was, Jean Reno was the best part of that movie. If you ask. Yeah. Me. Oh yeah. He's, he's really good. And you know, they took a page out of, it's another page out of Jurassic Park. You don't need an A-lister because people aren't there for the cast. They're there for the dinos or the, Godzilla lizard thing <laughs> that doesn't even fucking breathe fire. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just I still got a little bit of bitter beer face over that. <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. I mean, I I admit it's not a very good movie, but uh, I do need to revisit it. To see, see, it's it's been a while. It would be a, a nostalgia watch for sure. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, that one's sitting on my shelf. Um, I'm not proud of it, but you know. I've got no shame. I'm not proud of it, but I have no shame. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> I suppose balls to me. Um, so being as you're talking about uh, 
nostalgia picks. I figure I should follow suit. Um, I don't know why I always make you lead, Brad, but I'm glad that you're up for it because <laughs> I would be nowhere hey, no without you. Um, so I got a short stack of uh, movies that mm, are or were important to me at a certain point in my life. Um, so I have uh, Glory on mm. 4K. Um, another Matthew Broderick movie. Another Matthew Broderick movie. He's um, the man. <laughs> yeah, I I had to see Glory in school, and it was the, uh, I think it was the edited for television version. Um, so mm. when I first rewatched it, like on this 4K disc, I was horrified by how violent the opening minutes of it was. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't horrified. It was more like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> like, that guy just got fucked in the face. <laughs> yeah. In, like, the opening moments of this inspiring war drama. But um, Glory's fantastic. It has one of the best scores. Um, it's mostly, like, a, it's like a boys choir doing, like, all the choir tracks and stuff. It's, like, hauntingly beautiful. I think it was a James Horner uh, score. Mm. Uh, you know, Titanic aliens he's kind of he's kind of a big deal um but yeah i had to watch that when i was like 10 maybe 11 years old and i i was really excited when the 4k was announced because i was like oh it's an excuse to revisit it and it did not disappoint i still enjoy it Um, i might have to check that out because i'm i'm in the same boat i think the only time i've seen that was in school yeah no it 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 holds up it's still quite good and uh also i think this the uh visual like the video grade on blu-ray.com was like five star like 4.5 or something so i was like yeah i'm sold (laughs) like it was like a day (laughs) one purchase for me um and another one that also scored very very high in terms of uh, image fidelity but does not rank very high with critics um sam raimi's the quick and the dead Mm, mm -hmm. um i saw this when i was in middle school and uh, again the score had a lot to do with me kind of falling in love with it it is cheesy as all fucking hell (laughs) <laughs> like it is made of cheese like this whole movie is just oozing with cheese yeah <laughs> it is a fondue pont of a movie um but the score it's an alan Silvestri score um back to the future predator and all that the fucking avengers <laughs> um i the like the main title theme for the movie is is in my mind like one of the quintessential like heroic western tracks in a mostly not very good movie um but it's so delightfully cheesy and the cast is amazing, much like your Godzilla. It's like, holy shit, the character actors here. It's like, what the fuck? Who, who, how many people had to get jerked off to get these people here? Because, <laughs> because holy shit, that's a lot of cool people in one movie. Yeah. In fact, Bruce Campbell filmed for it. Like, he, he showed up on the set because it's a Sam Raimi movie in the 90s, um, mm. but he's not in it. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> that was like one more awesome element you could have crammed in there. But it's like like Keith David and Lance Henriksen, like baby Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman. And... <laughs> that is pretty stacked. I, I've never seen the film, actually. Oh, I mean, if you're if you're OK with the cheese, like if 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 you bring some lactate, you'll, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> I love cheese. I love cheese. Okay, well, yeah, definitely put it on your watch list because um, it's it's good '90s nostalgia, fantastic score. It's a Sam Raimi movie, so it's never visually boring. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of montages and a lot of zooms and stuff that you'll instantly be like, ah, Evil Dead, yeah. Except in the West, mm-hmm. um, but it it is a little tepid from time to time. Like it it 
it kind of has a weird rhythm where it's like okay it's kind of dragging ass here let's get let's get rolling <laughs> but uh it's also a tournament movie um and i love tournaments in in sports yeah. or otherwise just tournament structure is it's so fucking awesome it's like yeah <laughs> it's like brackets yeah <laughs> um so yeah I, I would put that on your watch list and uh last nostalgia pick i have here is one that i'm sure you'll agree is like an undisputed classic uh jaws oh yeah um 45th anniversary edition jesus <laughs> uh yeah i've i don't remember the first time i saw jaws but it was it probably still is on tv constantly and uh in between like flipping like flipping between baseball games and stuff like if my dad saw that jaws was on he'd almost always stop and so like i was always really bored with baseball but like jaws mm -mm, i I was always here for jaws so like if if i got lucky and jaws was on like tnt or tbs or whatever while he was flipping between games i'd be like yes (laughs) i get to watch a couple of minutes of jaws before we go back to the camera (laughs) so I, i have many fond memories of watching jaws with my dad and uh yeah, I've rewatched. I've watched this just this 4K disc, which hasn't even been out that long, at least twice, like two and a half times already. Nice, um, wow! And I, I love Jaws. It's one yep. of my very favorite movies. Yeah, same, same with me. Uh, I don't have it on 4K yet, um, and I think that's might be why I didn't end up watching it this summer because I was like, I'll get it on 4K and then watch it. And um, I think it was like really cheap recently too, and I missed out on it. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's amazing. It's super watchable. Uh, I know uh, when I did my top 100 list, it was very high on my list. Um, yeah, it's. It's. I mean, it's the ultimate blockbuster. I mean, it's the one that started it all. Yeah, and I think what really makes it is just the the little details, like and and the the making of it is is probably why it's so special. It's because they yep. they just lived in Martha's Vineyard for God knows how long, and they just kind of hung out there and shot stuff. And you know, that that's not a traditional way of making a movie, but it it, it worked. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. um, and it just it feels so lived in, and there's just so many small details that like you either see it or you don't. But if you see it, like it just puts a smile on your face. And yeah, yeah, I I, I never get tired of Jaws for me, like. Kyle's very big on uh, seasonal movies. Like I love that about talking to talking to Kyle about movies. How it's like, depending on the weather, the time of day, and the season, he can tell you what movie you need to be watching. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he, yeah. he like licks his finger and like puts puts it up in the air, and, <laughs> and <laughs> he tastes the wind, and he's like, "You need to be watching The Lost World, yeah. not Jurassic <laughs> Park, The Lost World." <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But for me, Jaws is like any time. Yeah, it's just after Labor Day, so I think I missed out on my uh, chance to watch Jaws. I might have to wait until until next summer now. Ah, you missed the window, bro. I blew bread. it. I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> Un-American. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, that yeah. being said, Brad, I'm done with my nostalgia picks. Um, balls to you. Um, all right, let's see. I don't really have any more nostalgia picks here, but I got one, uh, kind of my last boutique label Blu-ray. I think I only own the two of these that are from boutique labels. This one, I, when it came out, I I don't want to say it was the very first boutique label to put out a 4k, but I remember when it was announced, I was like, Oh wow. It's official. They're in the 4k game and, uh, it's Kino 
Kino put out the amazing film directed by a guy we've been talking about a lot today, Mr. Ridley Scott's Hannibal, which um, I, you know, it's it's an interesting film because it's 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 very sloppy. It's not very good. I have I, I really like the character Hannibal Lecter, Lecter. I like the whole series. I've read all the books um, and Silence of the Lambs, one of my all time favorites. And, you know, there's something when you watch Silence of the Lambs, you got you got a little bit of a hankering to just keep it going and watch Hannibal. And uh, I think it's got its moments in it that work. I love everything with Gary Oldman. I, I love him in this. Like, he makes the movie. If he wasn't in this, this movie would probably be just terrible. Like, I probably would, would not have it on 4K. I wouldn't revisit it. I love the stuff with him and just how weird the story gets it is in the source material but just like the stuff with the pig farm just like you know calm you, you've down got this, calm yeah. down <laughs> <laughs> it just you know it is bold because you know the idea that i think i could be off on this but the author um oh who's the guy's name that wrote the book thomas harris he wrote hannibal after the success of the movie silence of the lambs and he was just like very pressured into making a book and he essentially wrote a book that was just so grotesque and out there. He was like, they'll never be able to film this. I'll, I'll show them and uh, give it to Ridley Scott. This guy can turn shit into gold. Um, although I would say I, I actually do like the book version of Hannibal better than the movie. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's got its memorable moments, especially um, great a great dinner sequence with Ray Liotta. That is uh, obviously very memorable. Um, I did the ending of the movie. I really don't like the ending though. Like yeah, the, the kind of yeah. the last few months. Yeah. I hate, I hate the ending. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun little film. I just revisited it not that long ago too. Um, I think I, I, I don't think I watched it on 4k either. I think, I don't know. The, the Hannibal series gets, it's blended together to me cause I think I revisited it once, and then I read the books and revisited them all again, and then I watched the show and revisited them all again. I, I can't. There, there's so much Hannibal going on in my brain, but um, I, I, I do uh, enjoy this film. And when it came out, uh, I was like, well, I got to support Kino. You know, their first 4K, I got to I gotta pop on Hannibal. So, yeah. Wow, I, I didn't know that Kino was in the 4K business. And uh, Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's really cool, though, that you you have Kino discs because for me, like as many movies as I own, I don't have any of their discs. Um, I've known about them as long as I've been collecting movies, but for whatever reason, just I never, never grabbed one of their discs. Um, But that's cool that they're doing 4K. Yeah, yeah. You got to pay attention to when they have their sales because their sales, I, I, other than Hannibal, I don't think I bought anything Kino. Well, maybe a few things, but. Almost everything I own that is Kino, I buy in their sales because uh, the prices are pretty pretty good. They they slash those prices pretty pretty strong, and uh, it's easy to you know get a set of eight Blu-rays or whatever when they're all less than ten bucks and they're normally nineteen ninety nine or whatever. But yeah, on um, closer inspection, that might be why I don't have any other discs. <laughs> <laughs> fair uh, point. Fair point. Yeah, but um, Hannibal is one of those things that's like Silence of the Lambs is like jaws it's like holy shit like you you can put it on and it's so hard to walk away from 
Mm-hmm. Um, that and Zodiac. Fucking Zodiac, yeah. man. Like, uh, me and Kyle, like, almost have, like, a running gag where it's like, yeah, like, like, I had this whole big day planned out and everything, then fucking Zodiac. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it just there sucks goes you right the, in. There goes the whole evening. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, like, Silence of the Lambs has that quality to it. Um, Manhunter and Red Dragon, not so much. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do enjoy both of those movies on some levels. I, I think I favor Manhunter. Oh, um, yeah. But for, for me, it, it, no contest for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Brett Ratner, right? <laughs> it all comes back around. <laughs> it all comes back to Brett Ratner. Um, folks at home, Brad and I were talking about Brett Ratner oh, before we started right. recording. I forgot and, uh, that was before we recorded. Yeah, I, I like to use Brett Ratner as like the prototypical example of just a, a hired gun. Like he's mm-hmm. not there to put a personal stamp on a single frame of that product, but he'll get it to you on time and on budget. Yep. <laughs> but other than that, it's like may as well not have a director. <laughs> but yeah. um, Hannibal, I think from a visual standpoint, it, it is a Ridley Scott movie, so it's definitely got that going for it. It's shot and edited quite well. Like you said, Gary Oldman's fantastic. Um, maybe, maybe you can help me out with that ending because... Uh, Maybe it's better explained in the book, but like he he has some sort of fixation on Clarice, and there's a connection to his sister or something. I I I don't remember specifically because he puts her in the dress and she's all coked out, (laughs) and like he he has some sort of fixation on her. It's not like sexual or anything like that. It's a it's a weird like kinship of some sort. Well, in the book, now spoilers for the book. Um, and I think the ending of the movie is different. In the book, they um, kind of run away together, like, in love, which is very we- kind of weird. Uh, but I feel like, in, I don't know, in the book, maybe it's just because, like, I don't know, when you're when you're reading, you're just, you're being an intellectual. You can just convince yourself. If it's in a book, it must be good because it's, you know, <laughs> it's the smart thing. Um, I, yeah, but I didn't have too much of an issue with it in the book. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Um but I want to say, in the ending of the movie, isn't it just he gets away and she's just, like, left, like, oh, where did he go or something? Yeah, doesn't she, it end something like that almost? I mean, to be honest, like, I could be misremembering because it's been a long time since I've seen the movie and I haven't read the book. But um, what I'm getting from it is, like, she's in a position in her life where, like, everything's come crashing down. Like, things aren't very good in her world. So, like, in my mind, like, you could reason that like yeah running away with a you know serial killer psychopath or whatever probably makes some sense on some level after enough crazy shit has happened Mm -hmm. um but yeah i seem to remember the movie kind of ending like silence where it's just like well where does that leave us it's like well nowhere honestly (laughs) but in in silence it's kind of case where it's like oh you know I'm okay with that, but you're right though. It does kind of leave you with that feeling where it's it's such an entrancing movie that like you just so badly want there to be more of it. Like mm-hmm. even even though it, it's a perfectly it's like a perfectly well rounded product, and some some people would call it a perfect film in some ways, but um, it does kind of leave you just like wanting to live in that world a little longer. So it's like you'll just take whatever they give you. It's like oh yeah, Brett Ratner's Red Dragon, sure, <laughs> and then Hannibal Rising. Hannibal Rising, I, I haven't seen all the way through, but I think it's funny because I didn't know about the uh, Thomas Harris being like writing the sequel to the Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess that was the case with Hannibal Rising as well, where I do remember reading that he he kind of had to hurry 
to to get the book out by a certain deadline because the movie was in production or something. Yeah. Um, Hannibal Rising, I haven't seen the movie. I read the book, and it is easily, for me, the worst out of the series. I thought it was really bad. Um, but, yeah, I do I do kind of want to check out the movie at some point. Um, no Blu-ray, though, as far as I know. No Blu-ray, so that's why I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But, um, yeah, something with the ending of Hannibal just leaves you wanting more, where... Yeah, it just it feels more like just an unfinished ending to me. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's kind of weird to think like chronologically in terms of the story of Hannibal Lecter. That's where the character ends up, you know, because Red Dragon obviously takes place before everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, that's, the, that's the end of the Hannibal story. Is he just disappears <laughs> into the darkness? <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, like, who would have thought that that character would have been so like franchisable <laughs> yeah <laughs> like vast media empire built around a cannibal serial killer <laughs> that still is going i mean the hannibal tv show i know it got canceled but it was like it definitely got its fans and i i you know they're not gonna let that cash cow die don't worry it'll be it'll be back in some form whether it's a movie no, or a in, in this or... in this era of true crime uh podcasts and documentaries and whatnot yeah we're gonna get more hannibal <laughs> Like I guarantee yeah, fucking yeah. did. Yep. Ah, well, um, I'm gonna lower the brow a little bit. Uh, so I mean, we went... Hannibal's not very high brow. But... I know, but it's got really Scott's name on it, so it counts that's for true, something. That's true. Um, actually, that's one of my favorite things about him as a director is is listening to him on his commentary tracks and discovering that while he has this reputation for you know making these epics and like is thought of as like a classy director, like. The man loves a cigar, and when he talks about his own movies, he just laughs at most of them. <laughs> so, yeah, like he's he's a very down to earth guy, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's uh let's uh lower the brow a little bit, and I'm gonna go into my niche of the film world here um, with Wilson Yip's Yipman Four, the finale. Uh, so this uh this is the only straight up uh martial arts movie that I own on 4K. Um, I believe there have been other 4K discs put out for martial arts films, but uh, not ones that I'd care to own. <laughs> but Yip Man 4, uh, I'm a huge fan of the franchise and uh, Donnie Yen in general. Um, Wilson Yip is a director as well. Uh, he's done, pro- like, contrary to popular belief, he has made movies without Donnie Yen, and they're mostly good. Um, I saw this movie in a mostly empty theater with my girlfriend when uh, we were pretty early in the relationship and stuff and uh it was a lot of fun because it was it was me kind of like introducing her to like so this is gonna suck objectively (laughs) but i'm i'm going to enjoy it and i need you to be okay with that (laughs) so so it was it was like a a test where it's like this this is me letting you know that this is what you're gonna have to deal with when it comes to most movie nights and she passed so that's good but um cool so this, you know, the franchise started in like what 2009, 2008. Uh so it, you know, this was the conclusion of it like a solid decade after it began. Um Scott Adkins plays the antagonist in it. So on paper this was like this was like the equivalent of like a dream fight. Like this was this was like the Mayweather Pacquiao, I guess. <laughs> Where it's like the thing that you never expected you would actually get, you finally got it. Uh, the thing that everybody was asking for for God knows how many years. It's like, well, we're getting it. And and 
the way they structured the trailers was kind of perfect where it's just like the last shot of the trailer was just like scott adkins doing like leg stretches on the on the mat just like staring at donnie Yen from across the way and then they run at each other and then the title and it's like yep i'm sold take all of my money <laughs> um, and uh yeah it uh it's not a very good movie from a writing standpoint for sure it's pretty flimsy um the dialogue is pretty clunky for sure especially when everybody's speaking english because a lot of it's supposed to take place in america um it really doesn't feel like it because everybody sounds suspiciously Aussie. <laughs> but yeah. um, and even Scott Adkins, he's British, so he's having to cover his accent, and he's he's gotten better at it in recent years. But um, when it comes to the punching, which is really all that matters, uh, it's quite good. It's choreographed by Yuan Wu Ping, um, who you know from like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and the Matrix movies and stuff. So he's oftentimes cited as like the best that ever was, like. The best there ever is <laughs> um and uh yeah uh, the finale with donnie yen and scott adkins is unfortunately a little short like i think it's only like a three minute scrap um but it has a lot of impact to it and uh kenji kawaii did the soundtrack for it and holy shit uh <laughs> like he for for this being the fourth entry in a franchise um you know that's when you would expect a composer or, or a director or an actor to start phoning it in, you know, when it starts to get long in the tooth and whatnot. But almost everybody showed up to like with their best. And Kenji Kawai, especially uh, the score for the movie, is trum- it's tremendous. <laughs> I, in fact, I would encourage you, like, even if you don't see the movie, just listen to some of the music, especially the, the final battle track, because it, it gets your heart just racing. <laughs> it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was really exciting that it came out on 4K because I I would not have expected that. Um, but it's a it's a well go disc, and as far as I know, they only have a handful of 4Ks at the moment. But it's a solid disc. Although the 4K the 4K exposed a weird flaw with the movie um, that I noticed in the theater, but I didn't like it. Didn't really register what I was seeing uh, until I got it home and you know rewatched some of the fight scenes over and over and over again, like I do. Um, Donnie Yen has a CGI face replacement of, uh, oh. for it's obviously because there's a stunt double in his in his stead. But yeah. it's like, why why do you need to do that? Like, why can't he just have a wig or something? Yeah, like, like like we used to do. Because now you're drawing attention to it, and the fact that it's on you know my personal television on fucking 4K, I can see it clear as day. It's like, dude, now I now I can pinpoint the moments when that's not Donnie, that's not Donnie, <laughs> ne- that's not Donnie either. It's like Ouch. watching the the Agent Smith fight with all the Smiths versus Neo in Matrix Reloaded, yeah. where it's like that's not Hugo, that's not Hugo, yeah. that's certainly yeah. not Hugo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're getting you're, you're peeking behind the curtain a little too much on that one. The the picture quality is just too strong. Yeah, it's not doing it any favors. It, it's like anytime you see a wire assisted stunt, um, if you see those on 4K, they look horrible <laughs> because you can see it like clear as day. It hey. sometimes it's charming, but like I think there's like a golden ratio where like the budget of your film can't exceed a certain threshold. Like if if your movie is too expensive, then you don't have any excuses. But if it's a cheapo movie, then yeah, you know I don't care if I see wires in that. But if it's like a two hundred million dollar Hollywood movie and I see fucking wires, there's a problem. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. But I I just you know it's it saves me time because when things like that are exposed 
through the magic of 4K. It's like you don't even need to spend the time watching the making of documentary. It's like you you you're seeing how they made it right there, right in the movie. You're seeing all the all the flaws that they're supposed to hide, and there you go. I, I kind of get a kick out of it. No, it it is kind of fun, although it is a little troubling that all of the behind the scenes supplements and all the interviews have ever said um, they never address it. It's mm. like it's like I mean you you've seen this in the martial arts world as long as as it's existed where there like there's certain amount of like myth making that goes into it where people get put up on a pedestal and it's always like oh my dad could beat up your dad it's that kind of thing (laughs) it's like until you actually see it happen it can't be confirmed so there's this like aura of invincibility that gets cast upon certain people like bruce lee is probably the prototypical example of that where it's like he was a tough guy he knew how to fight but he's not the the best fighter that ever existed but we, you know, lionize him and put him up on a pedestal. And in Donnie Yen's case, he's never professed to have done all of his stunts, mm-hmm. th- thankfully, because that's blatantly yeah. untrue. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, he he has a lot of stunt doubles that you can see clear as day. It's like maybe maybe we should give them a little bit more credit than than none, <laughs> because yeah, it, it's yeah. usually when he's taking the bumps where it's like, dude, I'm pretty sure Scott Atkins just killed that guy and it wasn't done yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't, you can't uh, brutally injure the star of your movie. So, well, that's why you have stunt doubles. I mean, that, uh, undisputed too. uh, one of the very first movies we covered on this podcast, um, Kyle and I, uh, I thought it was really funny that in the behind the scenes of it, uh, Michael Jai White and Scott Adkins are the two uh, principal performers in it, both of whom are tremendous martial artists. Um, one of the only scenes in which they had stunt doubles was when uh, they fall o- they fall over the top rope of a boxing ring. Um, and th- they do all these fight scenes where they're laying into each other. I guess they shot like days on end. But the one thing that they like contractually could not do was like fall over that top rope. It's like it's like oh you might hurt yourself. <laughs> like the producers were like no they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, look what happened with the most recent uh, Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise he busted his ankle up and everybody got to take a nice nine week vacation because of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Tom Cruise. I'm sure he loved it. He's like, yeah. oh, this will just make me stronger. <laughs> yeah. He was probably, honestly, I bet you, well, I don't want to say his first thought, but I'm sure the day of when it happened, I'm sure one of his thoughts was, oh, this is going to be great press for the movie. This is going to be great on the talk show circuit. Like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I wish this hadn't happened, but, no, you know. See, see, Brad, that was his second thought was the yeah. publicity first thought would have been um clutching his ankle and then like doing emperor palpatine hands over his ankle and like trying to use channel the powers of xenu <laughs> to heal himself <laughs> and then yeah. he well, probably that was when, that was when he finished the scene because let's give him some credit he still he still ran off that yeah i mean it's a tremendous scene and it's a tremendous movie which i'm actually looking at the 4k disc for right now <laughs> um, yeah i have a lot of praise for not just that franchise, but that movie in particular. I, I love Tom Cruise. I wish he wasn't like such a weirdo because I, I just love him so much. But I, I mean, even though he is, you know, we won't talk about his personal life, but uh, I just I, I respect the hell out of the guy. I share your sentiment. And, yeah. I, you know, I I do look at people cockeyed when they badmouth him too much where it's like, what has he done to you? <laughs> so he's Honestly, just, I, he's just really up on life. Okay. Yeah. He's just really upbeat. Like, 
I feel like more people look down on him because of that Oprah thing than because of all the weird Scientology stuff. Like, I feel like that, if that Oprah situation hadn't happened, he would have a better reputation and he could have been doing even more stuff in Scientology probably. But yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, the man can punch mummies to death. (laughs) Yeah. He could probably, he probably doesn't need an airplane. He just, you know, uses one on film because that's what humans do. (laughs) <laughs> it's like and like on his own time though he he probably can fly just no problem you know it's just through sheer willpower did you see his uh his video of him going to the movies to see tenet yes <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> he's thoroughly disconnected from humanity but that's only be- <laughs> that's only because he's elevated above us yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's um, he's trying to understand the human brad <laughs> he's trying his best he's just so far beyond oh man i, I he's he's great yeah. just, I, I, I i'm glad him. i'm glad we have tom cruise on our planet because <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. he could be on so many others but he chose this one <laughs> I, I think my favorite part of the video is right at the end is someone like asks him like what'd you think and he's like i loved it <laughs> <laughs> As he's walking out of the theater to beat the crowd, just great. No, he probably was scrolling through his phone, like looking up like typical human responses to questions of this nature. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, thumbs up. I loved it." <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, the the intro. Not to get keep going on Tom Cruise. <laughs> The the interesting thing with him is he claims, and I, I believe him. He claims that he watches a movie pretty much every single day, and I believe I believe he's a big film fan. I believe him. But there's an interview that, um, like in a magazine interview that started making the rounds, where they asked him like, what recent movies has he enjoyed or something, and he just gives he's like ve like he doesn't give he doesn't name a movie. He's like, I just love the experience of the movie. The movie is just going into a movie and sitting down with it for two hours. It's just an, a magical experience. And they're like, okay, but what are some recent movies that you liked? And he just, he, he's a weird guy, but we love him. We love him. <laughs> he's probably just staring at like a, uh, on a 20 foot tall picture of himself. <laughs> that's what he calls going to the movies. <laughs> yeah, he's probably thinking, I want to name my own movies, but I better not do that. So he's like, yeah. <laughs> Well, that would be great because, like, if he gave a different answer every time, you could make a super cut. And it's just like, does, <laughs> does he only watch his own movies? <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of which, I'm actually looking at an an ad for Top Gun on 4K <laughs> on sale right now. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have to. I might have to pick that up. I mean, yeah. I already have the Blu-ray, but uh, that is a movie that gets a lot of play in this household. Uh, so maybe. <laughs> Yeah, fourteen ninety six. That's not a bad price. Not it's a bad not price the worst. at all. Um, no, no. Well, Brad, what do you got? <laughs> all right. Um, let's mention, kind of in a similar vein as Hannibal. Um, I've got another horror movie, and uh, this one is the twenty fifth anniversary edition of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, with Gary Oldman, another Gary, another Gary Oldman horror film. Um, now this one, I, you know, I, I like this film. I think it's a very isn't Anthony Hopkins is in this too. Yes, oh. he is as Doctor wow, Von good, Helsing. Good double bill with Hannibal, I guess. Um, <laughs> but 
I, I think this is a, a, a great looking film. Like I love the production design. I love the makeup. Um, I love Gary Oldman in it as Dracula. I think he's great. It's it's not a perfect film. Uh, like I think uh, Keanu Reeves is pretty miscast in it. Um, and Winona Ryder even is a little. Eh. But uh, it's it's a film I, I definitely like. One of the main reasons I pulled it off my shelf for this episode though is the beautiful the beautiful slipcover which is um you know it's uh what's what's the word i'm looking for textured it's it's uh, textured embossed. it's embossed yes yes and uh now i i remember when this came out i went to the store i believe it was best buy i went to best buy and i go in and every single copy of dracula is sitting there naked like this no slipcover on it and i'm like oh god and i go on blu-ray.com in the forums which is a great way to uh, way to get some you know knowledge on things like slipcovers and stuff like that, which is probably like ninety nine percent of what people talk about in the forums. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I went on and people were like, "Oh, does this not have a slipcover? I can't find a slipcover. Where, where, is it? Are people's not coming with slipcovers?" And like they're like, "I pre ordered it from Best Buy. It didn't come with a slipcover. Mine didn't come with a slipcover from Amazon either." And people are freaking out about it. And I'm like, "Oh God, what am I? Gonna, am I not going to be able to get this movie because it's going to screw up my four K uh, slipcover collection?" And then I see people commenting like Walmart. Walmart has it with slipcovers, which is kind of surprising because usually Walmart is pretty bad about. I feel like they just like toss their slipcovers a lot. But uh, I go to Walmart, and lo and behold, the beautiful slipcover is there, and I pick it up, and uh, I'm glad to own this film. I think this is actually the first time I've ever owned the film, actually. Um, but it's uh, it's 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 a good one. It's it's worth checking out. It's got. I guess I don't want to say it has a bad rap, but I feel like, you know, uh, appreciation for it has been coming around in recent years a little bit more. Yeah, I think uh, the nostalgia wave has kind of hit a certain point where we're starting to come back and love that movie when we yeah. probably should have loved it from the start. Um, because, mm-hmm. yeah, there there was a stretch of time where it was kind of forgotten and just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, maybe just the ubiquity of vampires and zombies and stuff made it kind of slip through the cracks a little bit. Um, yeah. From the time of its release to around now. But yeah, I actually really, I really love that movie. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very, I have the softest of soft spots for Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein because that movie is so over the top and dumb um, and <laughs> unintentionally hilarious. And, yeah. But it's also very pretty to look at, and you know it's it's trying really hard to adhere to the source material, as far as I can tell. Um, it's not good, but I I love it all the same. Um, mm-hmm. The Coppola Dracula, though, um, Kyle actually just rewatched that like very recently, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. phew, wow! The uh, if you haven't watched the like behind the scenes stuff, um, the making of it is utterly fascinating. Yeah, it, it's on the level of like a, a Peter Jackson film in terms of visual trickery. Like it's in every trick in the book kind of movie. Yeah, I love a lot of the stuff like that in the film too. That makes it fun to watch. There's so many things where it's like you would think that it's like post processed or some sort of compositing or just you know blue screen or whatever. And it's like no, <laughs> that was shot live. And it's like how? It's like well, a lot of miniatures and a lot of sleight of hand. It's like fuck mm-hmm. that. That's not filmmaking. That's a fucking magic trick. It's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, from a visual standpoint, especially the editing, there's there's so many clever editing transitions. Like, oof, there's so many shots where it's like we jump from location to location in time, like from like we make leaps in time and stuff where it's like, 
that is so fucking clever. Like somebody had to storyboard the hell out of that. Um, but yeah, like from a performance standpoint, I don't think it's that kind of movie. Like I think mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of like a a look and feel kind of movie. Gary Oldman certainly shows up, but he doesn't really have anyone to play off of for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of unfortunate in that way because, like, even Winona Ryder, like, she liked doing period movies, but I don't think she was very good at them. But she was really into her costume dramas and stuff around that time, like, mm-hmm. what, Age of Innocence and, like, Little Women. And she she was into that kind of film, but, like, her accent's not convincing at all. She just looks a little bit out of place. Um, but Gary Oldman really does kind of carry the whole movie on his shoulders. I mean, was it, I think Carrie Elwes is in there, too. And uh, Bill yeah, Campbell. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bill Bill Campbell's kind of fun because he gets to just be the rowdy Texan and <laughs> in, in, you know, our costume drama, which he comes directly from the text. It's, it's kind of fun, but... Uh, yeah, just from a special effects wizardry standpoint and just the editing and stuff, it is a luscious film. Um, mm-hmm. I have been eyeing that same 4K for myself. And uh, now that you mentioned the uh, slipcover being uh, a rare commodity, I'm kicking myself because uh, the secondhand store that I used to go to uh, pre-COVID and whatnot um, all the fucking time, uh, same place I got Alien Covenant and Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, mm has has that or at least had that um with the slipcover uh for a very reasonable price um and i i eyed it every single time i went into that fucking store i never bought it for some reason now it's like fuck (laughs) now i really want it (laughs) (laughs) it's probably still there because that that place like it gets a lot of foot traffic but as far as i can tell not many people buy that many movies from them yeah yeah Probably not too many people going out of their way to buy uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula on 4K, so might still be there. It might. Yeah, that's you know a matter of whenever I get out there again. Yeah. But <laughs> some someday you will be. Call mine. call them up. Maybe they'll put it on hold for you or something. They might actually. They uh they have an Instagram account where they've been selling mm-hmm. uh like they've been doing like doorstep deliveries like that's oh, how hey, they've been staying afloat. Um, and they advertise stuff on on their Instagram account. It's been kind of fun, actually. Yeah, I haven't actually bought anything from them, but it has been kind of cool watching them like find an alternative to keep their business running. Well, uh, hmm, balls to me. I'm trying to think like, what a what do I got? Uh, well, sure. Let's keep it basic. Um, so, uh, I have a 4K disc here. It's apparently four fucking discs. Wow. Wow. Uh, so it's a heavy case, uh, standard size though, of, uh, Logan mm, mm-hmm. on 4k. And this also includes the, uh, Logan noir, uh, black and white version of the film. So I'm guessing it's four discs because it has, uh, two for each version of the film. Uh, yep. so the Blu-ray and the 4k, um, <clears throat> yeah, this is a beautiful disc. Um, very, very highly rated on blu-ray.com. Um, it didn't matter if it was a shit disc or not, I was going to get it because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, and also, I, I've talked about on previous episodes of, of Tales from the Shelf, but uh, <laughs> I, I have the uh, Best Buy exclusive boxed version of uh, The Wolverine on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. which is so silly because it includes like the preferred cut of the film. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those special editions where it's like, so you mean this is the one with blood? 
Like, shouldn't that be all of them? <laughs> like, being as the man has claws? Um, and, of course, you know, the success of, like, Deadpool, and I would imagine partially that special edition led to us getting a blood-soaked fucking Logan because <laughs> this movie's yeah. just dripping with gore. And it's kind of delightful because it's, like, it's so... It's excessive at times where it's a very serious movie with like very serious and well acted dramatic beats. But then like the level of cartoonish violence that happens every time any instance of violence occurs is just like gleeful. (laughs) It's like you can tell the people choreographing all this shit were just having a ball. But then, like, yeah. they have to ask Hugh Jackman. It's like, okay, now you get, you need to get to your serious place now. It's like, but I had so much fun. <laughs> uh, did you did you ever like cover Logan for the Cinema Speak podcast? Let's see. I think that came out after. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did because that came out after Apocalypse, right? I want to say. I'm I pretty think sure right. it was it was I, either that or like right before. Um, 2017 I want to say yeah so we would have been doing the show yeah we covered that I'm I'm fairly certain um okay. yeah I, I love the movie it's uh, probably yeah probably my favorite X-Men film um I mean it's up there in terms of best superhero movies I mean it's it's near the top if it's not at the very top I I love it I think uh, Hugh Jackman is great in it I love Patrick Stewart um the young girl is very very good as well and uh yeah it's it's very emotional and uh but it's it's a great action superhero film as well so i think it works on quite a few levels and it's a fun road trip movie i mean it's it's amazing yeah it's it's kind of amazing that it took this long for for us to get this kind of superhero movie where it's like it really mm-hmm. is just kind of like a a road western kind of like a modern western movie for the most part um it has very little dude little to do with like superheroing and whatnot but yeah just like on a character and like performance level it's it's just a very solid movie and i think it's kind of cool that james mangold is starting to become like a really big name in hollywood um largely on the strength of like this movie and what was it ford versus ferrari um yeah i guess he's been working in hollywood for decades it's just he's I don't know why I never really took notice. I think he did Copland. Um, yeah, he did Copland. I think he did Walk the Line, um, which okay, I haven't seen. Okay. But um, so yeah, I mean, he's always been kind of like right on the verge of being respected. Like he's, I mean, you know, I think both those movies were well received and everything. But um, I feel like it took Logan to really kind of light the fuse of like you know the internet and. I hate to use this term, but film bros being like, oh, James Mangold is great. I feel like that really kind of lit that fuse, and now his career is really on the upswing, even though he's been doing a lot of great stuff for years. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Logan, and uh, I love Ford v. Ferrari as well. <laughs> yeah, I was really shocked um, because I kind of rolled my eyes at that movie when the Oscar season came around um, because, mm-hmm. truth be told, I unfortunately very seldom see the oscar rated movies and stuff um but that was one that i just on a lark like grabbed it from the red box like weeks after the oscars and i just you know decided to sit down and watch it uh, by myself and uh it's good it's very good Mm -hmm. yeah and i i could not give two shits about the car world um it really i have no automotive skills or interest to be honest um but it 
doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's just a good drama. It's it's a good. It's almost like a I don't know, like a it has almost like an Iron Man vibe in in that they're kind of like iterating a lot. A lot of it is like fine tuning. It's kind of like grinding yep. and and like like trial and error kind of process. And you kind of get into the swing of things. And the technical side of things doesn't come across as intimidating or anything. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I thought Ford, Ford versus Ferrari was very good. Um, so much so that I really want to go back and watch copland because i never saw it um i don't know if it was super super highly regarded when it came out um but going back and taking a look at the film with with the cast like seeing like where all of those huge names have ended up now it's like you know it would kind of be cool to check out some of these people and like before they die because <laughs> a lot of the people in the movie are very very old but yeah it's a pretty fucking stacked cast and obviously very capable director and i seem to remember reading somewhere that like uh i think spielberg like said like he fingered him as being like like the next big thing or something oh i don't know when he said that but and also you know these days it's hard to say how much spielberg's word means anymore (laughs) but um unfortunately he's not he's not the man that made jaws anymore unfortunately (laughs) no no not anymore unfortunately um Mm. james mangold i was just looking at other stuff he did have you ever seen uh identity with john cusack that's one i i I gotta revisit that i i have mixed feelings about it i thought it was really cheesy but i had a lot of fun with it (laughs) yeah 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 Um, see i had no idea that was him though yeah, I, I totally forgot it was him as well. Um, so he's been, you know, he's got an interesting career. Um, yeah, I wonder what what's next in the pipe for him. He's got to be, he's flying high off of that uh, Best Picture Ford v Ferrari nomination. So he's got to have something up his sleeve. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um. All right, man. I I think I've really only got one more thing here worth noting. So I think if the, if this seems like a good time to do a grand finale on a 4K, if if that's cool with you. Um, and I don't know how much of a grand finale it is, but it's, you know, (laughs) it's, it's a film that I absolutely adore and a lot of movies that I own on Blu-ray, I have not upgraded to 4k because, you know, I already own them in some form and a lot of the Blu-rays look very good. So it's like, okay, I could spend my money and upgrade this Blu-ray to 4k or I could take that money and spend it on a 4K that I don't own at all, like Sicario Day of the Soldado, or uh, Fate Oof. of the Furious, or many of the other uh, mediocre films that I buy on Black Friday. But this is the rare case where I did actually upgrade my Blu-ray. Um, I still do own the Blu-ray, so I guess I didn't, I didn't get rid of it. But it is a film I had to get on the highest possible quality. It is... <laughs> that's another Ridley Scott movie. It's Prometheus. Oh, fuck. which um, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even intend when I grab. Man, I guess I got Ridley Scott on the brain. I guess um, didn't even intend to bring him up so much. But yeah, I I love Prometheus. Um, I've loved it from the get go. I it hasn't been it hasn't been a grower for me. It was always a shower. Um, <laughs> I I visually it is absolutely stunning um and you know there's some things with the script like okay you can criticize but i still think it brings a very interesting themes um more so than most sci-fi films nowadays i I think it's thematically a very rich film 
I think it does a great job of tying in with the rest of the Alien franchise. And I just think it's very entertaining and fun as a horror film, as a sci-fi film. I think there's some very memorable sequences, uh, like the uh, the C-section scene I love. I love a lot of the creature stuff. Um, yeah, it's a film that I've I've seen a lot since it's come out, and uh, it's it still holds up for me wholeheartedly. The, I mean, the only thing that uh, I, bugs me about the film, and this is just something that you, you pick up on when you've seen it so many times, is that when they uh, start the film, it, it shows how many people are on board the Prometheus, and it says, like, I forget how many, like 30 or something. Maybe not 30, but like 20. And if you, if you count the deaths in the film you realize that there were still people on board the ship when uh, Idris Elba drives the ship and, <laughs> you know, kills him. He basically just killed people without it. Like, at least his what co-pilot seemed okay with it. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, I love Prometheus. Yeah, um, man. Uh, Prometheus has long been on the list of prospective episodes for catching up on cinema. Um, mm-hmm. Ever since I started talking to you, Brad, that was something that I kept in the back of my mind is that that Brad guy, he put Prometheus on his top 10, like, hmm. Uh, well, top, top 10 oh, of, the of the decade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. Hmm. Nice guy, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, was, was it in the top I, 10 I, or was it? I can't remember. It was in the top 20 for sure. It may have been like very highly rated, if not like the number one or something. You, if I remember right, you really liked Prometheus. That, I, I do. I do really. Let me let me just yeah, see. I you feel... you really like Prometheus. It, it, that's fine. Like you can like a movie. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but but right, it, it, it was of, like, fourteen. My... It was fourteen. It was. You said top okay, ten. Well... I was like, yeah, that even that seems even high for me. Fourteen <laughs> though, that feels right. Fourteen of the decade, absolutely. It's yeah. like whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's let's go to the tape on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna throw down that yeah. flag. I'm challenging that shit. Um, yeah, for me personally, um, I didn't get much out of Prometheus. It's gorgeous to look at for sure, um, and yeah, thematically it, it covers interesting ground. I just don't know that it had much to say. Um, but yeah, it, it's visually utterly spectacular. Um, and yeah, that C-section scene, much like uh, Alien Covenant, actually, um, the initial like alien sequence, like the backburster sequence in Alien Covenant, is phenomenal um, from mm-hmm. a filmmaking and just editing standpoint. It's tremendous. Um, and yeah, the C-section scene is much like that, where it's like this wonderful moment, but in isolation, it's it's amazing. But in in its place in the rest of the movie, it's like oh, that was one cool bit but i don't know about the rest of the two two hours and 40 minutes of it or whatever <laughs> but um as far as i know kyle really likes prometheus as well um, which is why i've always kept that in the back of my mind it's like hmm i have two fellas that both really really like this movie like really like this movie and then me who's just kind of like uh, ambivalent towards it like i don't hate it. it i just didn't get much out of it and maybe i just need to rewatch it but um Whenever we do get to Prometheus, Brad, I want you to know that uh, you you more than likely will be included on, on that conversation because uh, we're in the midst of our uh, Batman masterclass, and last year we did our Alien masterclass, and e- even though it's called a fucking masterclass, we still find ways to leave things out. Um, mm-hmm. And in the case of Alien, we didn't have time for Prometheus, which is 
an alien adjacent film but it, it's still part of the it's still part of the franchise in some way yeah um so we left it out but i would very much like to go back and and revisit it and in the case of like batman we probably we're doing live action batman but we didn't do the adam west movie from 1966 and uh it's animated but mask of the phantasm um is not on our list right now being as it's animated but i'd very much like to check that out um, and Kyle, Kyle, for whatever fucking reason, wants to do a just straight up front to back deep dive into Predator Two. Um, so that's right. Yeah, uh, he, he has mentioned that a few times. He's mentioned it a few times. So, yeah. so yeah, maybe we'll do a masterclass revisited, and it's a big priority of mine uh, to make sure that we address Prometheus, being as it is part of the Alien franchise. Um, it does feel weird to leave it out. Um, yeah. I can mention uh, in terms of other people not liking the film. Well, I mean, not not liking it, but not liking it as much as me. Um, my uh, local family video, their older films are divided in. They've got a few different sections. One section is called their favorites section, and these are movies where they say, "If you don't like it, we'll give you a free rental on us," because they're the favorites. They're but then they all, if, if something isn't in the favorites, it's just in the general alphabetical section in the middle you know older and uh every alien movie is in the favorite section except for prometheus <laughs> so shots fired by family video well also it's that kind of movie where it's like oh, i don't know if people are gonna like that one <laughs> it's like we're probably we gonna get a lot of returns people would be yeah. wanting their money back yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um it's I have some weird theories about that movie too, so we'll 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 get to that when we get to it. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, that'd be fun to do. Um, funny enough that that a uh, used video place I I frequented uh, pre pre COVID and whatnot, I actually almost bought that exact uh, 4K mm. from them as yep. well. Um, also because I was anticipating maybe covering it last year, but didn't we didn't and i was like nope, i'm gonna save my money on that one because i actually <laughs> i'm actually not really in a hurry to revisit it <laughs> yeah. yeah but we'll we'll get to it when we get to it oh yeah yeah um i don't think i can have anything that can measure up to prometheus so <laughs> may as well call it good there um this was a lot of fun covering the 4ks i mean we i think we both still have plenty to talk about but i think we're about tapped out for this episode um, so that being said, Brad, uh, thanks so much for joining me. But uh, before we sign off here, do you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and uh, your wonderful podcast? Yeah, definitely. It's the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, you can find us pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. So on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, just search for Cinema Speak. Um, we also have social media accounts you can follow on Twitter. It's at the Cinema Speak or on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast. And then um, if you just want like a, a web page with all the episodes, cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right. Thanks for that. You're very quick about that. I need, I need to get better about rattling all that shit off. So, um, <laughs> here goes. Um, if you want to look up Catching Up on Cinema and any of our other content, our other podcasts and whatnot, uh, we do have a website. You can find us on catchinguponcinema.com. Um, we are also hosted um, wherever better podcasts are found. Um, so just look up Catching Up on Cinema. Um, we do have a couple of social media accounts as well. Uh, we have an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to 
rate, review, subscribe, or hit me up at either of those accounts, um, and hopefully I'll be able to get back to you in a jiffy. Um, that being said, uh, thank you so much again, Brad, for joining me, and uh, folks at home, we will catch you next time.